Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, 19, verses 21. And it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither... Neither moth nor rust consumes where thieves do not break in. And still, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks to be to God. Thank you, Jasmine, for reading our scripture this morning. We start today a new sermon series called Treasures. Many people would say, if you want to know what you treasure, look at your calendar, look at your bank statement, your credit card statement, and you'll see very quickly what it is that we treasure and how we spend our time and how we spend our money. And how might that be different for people of faith? How might some of those markers in our lives begin to change under serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? We asked some folks in the congregation to tell us what it's like for them to give and to share their time in ministry and more. And here's what they had to say. We invite you to check it out. We volunteer to share our gifts and talents so that we can be a blessing to others and a vessel of God. I volunteer because my Heavenly Father loves me and showed me what it means to be a good steward. We give because. We believe it advances God's kingdom, helps His people, and our community. We consider giving an act of worship, and it helps us to fulfill God's role for our lives, to worship Him, and to serve others. We give of our time and our offerings because it's important to support the programs that have blessed us so much. Giving also helps us to remember that everything comes from God. I like God, as you all know. I also like giving. Like, I like giving money to the church. I like helping by doing the wood at ministry. We give because we know giving helps Ebenezer, our local church, actively be the church by helping others. Through giving, we can contribute to the care of our church and the communities around us. I serve because I love the Lord so much. The Lord has been extremely good to me, and I want to pay him back for everything he has done to me. God has blessed me time and time and time again, and it's just what I do. I volunteer at Ebenezer because there's so many opportunities here. And usually you get to meet new people, make other people feel welcome at the church, and it's fun. We're told to love God and to love our neighbors. I believe one of the best ways of doing that is to use our time, talents, and treasure to support the church and its ministries. And we give because as we are blessed, we want to bless others with our gifts, through our gifts, and we can't afford not to. I will be honest, serving and tithing 
does not come naturally to me. I'm quite selfish, but after being at Ebenezer for years, it feels very comfortable and rewarding. I serve to let folks know that Christ will provide the strength to get you through your storm and to teach you how to dance in the rain and that hope, joy, and healing is on the horizon. Giving is part of my faith in Jesus Christ. God owns everything in all creation and we are commanded by God to give of our time, energy, and resources. I want to give of my time, energy, and resources to show my faith in God and my gratitude and love for all that is His. Thank you to those of you who submitted videos, and uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, we will hear from many more. Will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for waking us up this morning and bringing us here, uh, where we can assemble as uh, your body, a body of Christ, to be led, to be, uh, to find a solid space in order for us to, to dig in and uh, to ground ourselves to know that you are here in this place and that you are uh, on the move in, with, and through our lives and in, with, and through our hearts. So God, we ask uh, for your spirit to continue to dwell upon us and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. When I was 15 years old, uh, I was a freshman in high school, and I longed for the day when I did not have to drive, uh, ride the bus anymore to high school. Uh, are any of you with me so far? You, you, you dreaded that, right? So I really just wanted to drive to high school because all of my friends were doing it, and it was the cool thing to do. And so for months, I had scoured the bulletin boards at the, the grocery store when there were bulletin boards at the grocery store, and every car and every truck that we had gone past, I just wanted to stop. So I asked my grandma, my mom, my aunt, my uncle, whoever I was driving with, hey, can we please stop just for one second? I want to see the mileage, and I want to see how much it is. I didn't care what year it was mileage and I wanted to see how much it was. And so for months after looking and looking and looking, we found this old piece of junk, a 1995 Dodge Dakota. Sorry if that is your car of choice, but this one was a hunk of junk. Okay. It had rust around the wheel wells. You could faintly see that it was blue, but uh, the color was really rust. When I went to the DMV, I said it was blue, even though it was rusted out everywhere. And so I saved up months and months and months of uh, working extra shifts on the farm, working extra shifts in the restaurant, uh, driving around and, and taking people uh, in a golf cart around the farm, asking for tips. Hey, come on, come on. I'm just a poor little 15-year-old. Anyways, uh, we kept, uh, I kept going around to people at church and, and pestering them pretty much. Hey, can I shovel your driveway? Hey, can I uh, mow your lawn? Doing whatever it took just so I could get another penny, another dollar, another $5 bill. And finally, it came. The day came when I was able to go to those folks and buy that rusted hunk of junk, that 1995 Dodge Dakota. And after money had exchanged hands and we went to the BMV and the title was now in my name, uh, it felt amazing to get the keys. The only problem was that I wasn't old enough to drive. <laughs> and I didn't have my license. I didn't even have my learner's permit. 
That was horrible, right? But I wanted to have this truck as a, as a precaution and as an investment. Uh, so that way when I did get my license, that way when I did get my learner's permit, I could finally have this beautiful ride to drive. And so there the truck sat at my uncle's house for a year and he lived right next door to us. And so on the regular, I would go out and I would put the key into the ignition and I would start the truck, start the engine and I would rev it a lot. Okay. Yeah. Rev it a lot. I would turn up the radio as loud as possible. I would roll down the windows. No, no electric. It was a 95, right? I would roll down the windows. And I would even, shh, don't tell anybody, I would put the car into drive, drive a couple of inches forward, put the car in reverse, drive a couple of inches backward. But then the day finally came that I had my license in my wallet, my insurance card in my glove box. And so the truck and I had a pretty good relationship now. Because for months I had done that, drive a couple inches forward, drive a couple inches back, rev the engine, blast the radio, roll down the wheels. We had a pretty good relationship. And so before I could set out on whatever adventure lies ahead, it was at my uncle's house, like I told you. And he said, go ahead and and pull it up to the garage. And so I did. I put the key into the ignition. It started right up. I put it into drive. It it kept going. We, We went now for more than a couple of inches. And as I drove that 500 feet from where the truck was parked to his garage, I started to tap on the brakes a little bit. And guess what? Nothing happened. The brakes went right to the floor. And so he threw down a concrete block or a concrete brick in order for it to finally stop. And then when it finally did stop, I put it into drive. And as we came to find out after a couple of minutes of of searching and scouring that the brake lines had rusted out, the wheels were not only cracked, but they were also rotted. The gas tank started leaking. The hoses and the gaskets had even dried out. Listen, I had made this thing beautiful. I had used about 10 cans of spray paint to turn it not from rust, but to blue. I had even redone some of that rust around the wheel wells and put some new metal and some new fabrication in it. This truck looked beautiful, but I couldn't drive it anywhere because it was all rusted. It was a rusted piece of junk. I had become so focused on driving the truck that I neglected the rest of the vehicle. I was only concerned with what it was going to look like. And you know what? I was also concerned with how I was going to look in it, (laughs) right? I had forgotten about the rest of the vehicle underneath the hood and what was going on under the car. The same is true for the gospel lesson for this morning, because here in Matthew's gospel, chapter six, we find Jesus in the middle of giving his sermon on the mount. And in this sermon on the mount, he condemns what we would see as good things, right? Giving to the needy and praying. And the list continues and goes on and on. But Jesus isn't so much condemning those things. He's not condemning praying and giving to the needy, but he's condemning the superficiality of how we can often give those things. For Jesus, it's a matter of the heart. In the ways that we commit ourselves to God, we need to be more genuine. And Jesus calls us to be more genuine in how we commit ourselves to God. You've heard it said before, as Pastor Emily lifted up this morning, that you could get a good and solid look at a person and an understanding of what they truly treasure if you look at their checkbooks, which are kind of outdated, so bank statements and their calendar. 
Because that's where they devote their time and their talent and their treasure. Calendars and bank statements tend to reveal how we spend our time and our money, where our priorities are. And the scripture passage for this morning, Jesus reveals in saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can we say that this morning? Where your treasure is, there your will be also. But come on, Jesus, shouldn't we just put a little nest egg away for a rainy day? Doesn't make sense, does it? Isn't it good to save, especially money? Isn't that how we practice being a good steward? Listen, Jesus, we know that life has unexpected things happen. We need to be prepared for those things. But Jesus isn't so much condemning the practice of saving as Jesus is condemning the practice of investing where we invest, what we invest, how we invest. From the accounts of all of the Old Testament and even the Hebrew Bible, kings and their countries were defined and often praised by how much wealth they had, how much land they had for storing up great earthly treasures. And even the book of Proverbs commends prudent practices that bring about great wealth. However, here in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says something different. He gives this distinction between earthly possessions and earthly treasures and heavenly possessions and heavenly treasures. Jesus' call to store up treasures in heaven is not so much a way of uh, giving salvation or future otherworldly rewards, but to good goods associated with God's kingdom. Friends, there are two kingdoms, the earthly kingdom and the heavenly kingdom. God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. In the earthly kingdom, our focus is on us, right? Bigger, better, stronger. We need things nicer and even newer. But in God's kingdom, the focus is on extravagant grace, mercy, forgiveness, love, unending forgiveness. We get so caught up in spending money that we don't have, right? We get so caught up in spending money that we don't have in order to buy stuff we don't need in order to impress people that we don't even know. Jesus is helping us to acknowledge that our priorities can be out of whack in this emphasis, especially on the goods that we treasure in life. At this point in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as a whole, it's not about possessions, about right relationships, about financial security or power or right relationships, but in the abounding mercy and love and grace and justice of God and how we receive that and then how we share it with others. Who are we following? What are we following? Where are we devoting our time and our talent and our treasure? Where is our heart? It's not about putting your money where your mouth is, but it's about putting your heart where your treasure is. Amen? Where we become devoted to Christ in all that we say and all that we do, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. As one of the saints of Ebenezer said in the video that we showed a moment ago, everything we have is from God, is God's. How are we being good stewards with that? All that God has blessed us with. How are we utilizing the resources that God has given us in order to make an impact in this church and in this community and in this world? All for God's kingdom. You might have heard this said before. I've never seen a hearse towing a U-Haul. Have you seen a hearse towing a U-Haul before? other than some fabricated Facebook picture probably, right? But the meaning is pretty clear. You can't take it with you when you go. However, that saying leaves out something that Jesus taught in the scripture passage. Yes, you can't take it with you when you go, but you can send it on ahead. Christ instructed us in this passage from Matthew's gospel 
to invest in things that have eternal value. And only two things have eternal value, God and people. But how do we invest in these things? How do we invest in God? How do we invest in people? In the early part of my ministry, I had this mentor who uh, for 38 years, he pastored his one and only appointment, which is unheard of. How can you listen to a guy for 38 years? He's got no new material, right? But listen, for 35 of those 38 years, he said that he wanted to do something different. And so for 35 of those 38 years, his priorities were wrong. When we asked him if he could do anything differently for those 38 years, he said, my priorities were out of whack. And so for 35 of those 38 years, his priorities were this. Ready? God, church, kids, wife. God, church, kids, wife. He said, unfortunately, the relationship with my children suffered. I have the relationship with my grandkids that I wish I had with my kids. He said, looking back, success in ministry at the expense of my family is no success at all. Convicting. Humbling. Honestly, friends, it's so easy to fall in this trap. I know I'm guilty of it. And I'm certain that no matter what profession that we might be in, at some point everybody is guilty of this. Putting success above relationships with family and friends, putting financial security and accumulating possessions ahead of following Christ and following Jesus and expanding the kingdom of God. We're called to be good stewards of our resources, our time and our talent and our treasure because we receive everything from God. All that we have is from God. We're not to keep for ourselves or to hide in the hole in the ground, but, or even invest in a 1995 Dodge Dakota piece of junk. <laughs> We're called to be good stewards of everything that we have. Jesus concludes this sermon on the mount by saying, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you drink or about your body. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they reap, but yet God cares for them. Are you not more? Are you not worth more than they? Jesus continues by saying, God knows everything that you need, your food, your drink, what you need, your sustenance and substance, your clothing, your shelter. And then Jesus adds on this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given unto you. That's not to say that you shouldn't put a little investment aside for emergencies. God's intention for you is that you give first out of abundance to God, and then everything else falls into place. My friends, your hope falls into place after you give to God. Your love falls into place after you give to God. Your hospitality and God's hospitality and the hospitality of those around you falls into place. Your gratitude, your ways of grace, seeking, and peacemaking fall into place. Your hearts and your spirits, the hearts and the spirits of one another fall into place after giving to God. So we need to hold fast to Christ. Amen? Amen. In this day, in the days to come, I want to remind you of a couple of things. It was some 300 years ago that John Wesley, a pioneer for the Methodist movement, shared some wisdom and insight for biblically sounded and uh, Christ-centered stewardship. He said, gain, save, give. Can we say that together? Gain, save, give. Gain all you can through diligent and honest work so long as not the expense of yourself or at your neighbor's expense. Save all you can by avoiding idle expenses and unnecessary indulgences. 
No excessive or expensive giving or pursuits. Give all you can. Caring for the needs of oneself and one family, then doing good to those in the community of faith. And then, as you have the opportunity, do good to all people. Gain, save, give. This is what it means to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen? Seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, and everything will be given unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow, and let that take care of itself. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven, because the earthly treasures can be deteriorated and be eaten by rust, by rust and by moth. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen?